I think another sort of misnomer is this idea that as business owners, we're going to find the perfect formula. And then once we achieve this formula, we're just going to like throw our time and energy and effort into this formula. And it's just going to produce, you know, wins and capital or whatever for us. And that's just simply not true. Um, the truth is, is that our targets are always moving and that our formulas are always changing. And if we get into the mindset that somehow we're going to achieve an A plus B equals C always model, um, we're just, we're sadly mistaken. And so, I mean, we live in an ever-changing, rapidly moving world. And in the business world today, you evolve or die. It's as simple as that. Um, you change, you adjust, or you die. It's Welcome to The Real Deal Show, where we talk to real estate investors doing real deals. Listen as our guests share with you their tips, tricks, and secrets to doing real deals. Now, here's your hosts, Britt Foshi and Logan Hand. All right, guys, welcome to this week's episode of The Real Deal Show. This episode, we're really pumped uh, because it's just going to be me and my co-host, Britt, basically talking about some advanced uh, business concepts and things that we're dealing with in today's life um, that maybe can help you if you're dealing with some struggles uh, and and difficulties with your business or whatever your journey is. Uh, We're here to really dive in and and help conquer some of those things. Uh, But first and foremost, we just want to thank you guys so much for the journey so far. I hope you've appreciated the guests we brought on the show. Um, And we're going to do these little breakups in between the interviewed uh, podcast episodes and us just kind of talking together and sharing some of our thoughts on business and the market and stuff like that. So with that being said, um, B, I think jump in, let them know what today's topic is all about. Yeah. So uh, we've had a lot of amazing guests and when we interview these guests, we try to do our best to get out of the way and let them do most of the talking. So inevitably, uh, you don't hear a ton from us, but we have have gotten some feedback that has said that you guys want to hear more from us. And so here we are. Um, And so what I thought we'd do, Logan, is just have some discussions about maybe some of the uh, wins and struggles we might be having right now in our own businesses and ways that we are um, combating those and celebrating those and uh, learn from each other. So agreed, agreed. And and for those of you listening, I don't know if we've kind of dove into this, but you know, me and, and uncle Britt, we have a really awesome relationship. Um, and he actually mentors me both psychologically and on the business side. So we have a lot of in-depth conversations about strategy and what to do when I'm struggling with my business and stuff like that. So, you know, today what we're going to talk about is some of the stuff we kind of explore together. And one of those things is what do you do when your business hit some sort of roadblock where it stops performing or maybe is underperforming um, in some of your metrics compared to where it's possibly been, right? So as a business owner, um, you can't just sit back and watch bad numbers happening. You have to start jumping in and making changes. Um, so can you give me some advice and the view, the listeners some advice as well um, for when those things start to happen, what do you do and where do you start? Uh, great question. So 
obviously that's a broad question and a lot of businesses look very different. Um, there's storefront businesses, brick and mortar businesses, online businesses, uh, obviously real estate businesses. And so, you know, the approach would probably look very different, but a very broad answer. I first would suggest it's highly important to truly diagnose the problem. Um, I think a greater problem would be to try to fix something that's not broken. Um, because you notice your business isn't work, uh, growing, you notice your business isn't expanding, or maybe you've hit that roadblock. You just start trying to fix everything. Um, where usually it's only one or two things that are broken. So I think the first step that you have to take is to truly diagnose, um, what is going on, what is wrong, what's broken. And then I would just say also, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and so if you get into a situation where you realize I've diagnosed the problem, the problem is marketing. I suck at marketing. Then find someone that's good at marketing or hire a marketing firm. And I think as entrepreneurs, uh, especially ones that are bootstrapping and who are kind of flying solo, we have a tendency to try to do everything on our own. Um, and that in and of itself actually might be the problem. Um, and so, um, if you can afford to, or your pride can take a hit, um, to go and ask for help. I think that that's one of the most valuable moves that you can make. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would say. First step, truly diagnose the problem, really understand what is wrong before you even ever try to fix it. Um, and so, yeah, that'd be what I'd say. Yeah. And I would, I mean, I'll probably add to that in the sense of, a lot of times it's a function of sales or revenue um, that people may encounter. Hey, my sales are down or my, my revenue is not where it should be. And the first thing you really need to identify is what is the most direct action or correlation that goes straight to revenue, right? So there's typically an action um, that yields revenue and there's something that you're doing that's working and there may be some things that you're doing that's not working. Um, so sometimes you have to tweak the things um, that aren't working or don't be afraid to kill them off altogether. You know, a lot, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, if you have one thing that's working and generating revenue and three things that aren't doing very well, it's better to double down on the one thing that's working uh, instead of try to do all these different things at once. Um, so I say, identify what generates your revenue or a sale. If you're, if you're a salesperson or whatever, um, and then focus on that action and how you can multiply it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think another sort of misnomer is this idea that as business owners, we're going to find the perfect formula. And then once we achieve this formula, we're just going to like throw our time and energy and effort into this formula. And it's just going to produce, you know, wins and capital or whatever for us. And that's just simply not true. Um, the truth is, is that our targets are always moving and that our formulas are always changing. And if we get into the mindset that somehow we're going to achieve an A plus B equals C always model, um, we're just, we're sadly mistaken. And so I mean, we live in an ever-changing, rapidly moving world. And we, I mean, if you just look around, you can see our, in the business world today, you evolve or die. It's as simple as that. 
Um, you change, you adjust, or you die. It's, I mean, I can think of so many examples. Um, Blockbuster. I mean, even like look at Microsoft. Um, you just like evolve or die. It's so funny. Logan and I, just to give you an idea, a couple, maybe a year and a half ago, started talking about this idea of voicemail blasts. Um, Logan, I know that's like a big part of your business right now. And uh, I really believe that like we were kind of like early in, in on that discussion. And it's so funny right now. I'm getting so many people that are emailing me and talking to me about voicemail blasts. And so I just use that example to say like, look, markets are smart and they're going to figure out what is working and they're going to adjust. And when they adjust, um, then that market's going to get saturated and then you got to learn how to readjust. And so, um, you know, that's just one example of like, no matter what industry you're in and what business you're in, you've constantly got to be aware of what's going on outside your walls and be willing and quick to adjust to what's necessary to succeed. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's crazy. Even, you know, investing in real estate is one thing. It's a lot of your risk can be calculated or researched um, so that, you know, your bet is pretty reliable. You know, you can place a bet or an investment um, that you feel pretty confident is definitely going to come back. But when you get into the realm of running businesses or investing in companies, you need to be looking for, you know, what's coming next or what maybe threats will come out in, in two or three years. I mean, and a perfect example of this is, um, you know, I have a recent investment. I own equity in a direct mail company. Now, uh, it's my firm belief that direct mail is a dying industry. Okay. I don't think that there will be mail in mailboxes 10 years from now. I think that industry is going to zero. It's just taking a matter of time to get there. Um, however, I think that you can carve out niches in certain industries that are underserved and you can dominate either on price or service or whatever and structure an acquisition on a three or five year timetable and get out before the market dies. Right. So that's similar to like a uh, Warren Buffett has the uh, last few puffs of a cigar model. Right. Where like he knows it's dying, but he's going to go in there and swoop in before it dies. Um, so th that's something to kind of think about. Um, you know, in, in my business, some of the challenges that I, I've been having recently are like my connection rate. So we pump out a ton of cold calls and the volume of calls is one of the biggest drivers of revenue, right? Because volume of calls yields how many people you talk to, which yields to how many are interested, which yields to appointments and contracts and revenue. So if I'm making 10,000 calls a month and I'm only connecting with 2%, that's a major problem because it needs to be closer to 8%. So, all of a sudden, some, your lead flow just stops or dries up or shortens, and that impacts the revenue. So I have to go, okay, how am I going to fix this, right? So it's stuff like that as a business owner that you just can't sit and watch. If it's not continuing to do the thing, you don't just sit back and continue to watch your revenue go down and down and down. Um, so stuff like that, where it'll make you feel bad, but you have to talk with advanced business people or people that mentor you or whatever um, to solve the problem. And a lot of times it's just taking different steps or changing things here and there. Um, and don't be afraid to try those different things to get you out of that rut. No, absolutely. Um, 
you know, I think that as entrepreneurs, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? Um, there's beauty in sort of looking at the model of others and maybe tweaking it and using that model in our business, whatever your business may be. However, I do think that we must, as entrepreneurs, be willing to innovate. Um, and so we have to be willing, you know, I, I think if you just innovate, that's too risky, right? Uh, there's just too much risk associated with just going out and try to innovate on your own, at least in my risk tolerance world. Um, but I think if you're not innovating, you're just going to be average. And so sort of the model, the approach that I use is, is I don't feel like I need to reinvent the wheel. I'll do what the other guy's doing. I'll try to tweak it and adjust it to fit me and my personality, what I think will succeed better. But then while I'm doing that, I'm also innovating and trying to create and find new ways and new ideas, um, that can, uh, plug into my existing businesses. And so, um, you absolutely have to be willing to change, innovate, evolve, um, et cetera. So, I mean, you know, it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. Um, I was just giving you an example before we hopped on here today. Um, we were struggling in some of our marketing and uh, we pay a lot of money to market in my businesses. I mean, a lot of money. And so um, I've got a guy that's in sales uh, in my landscaping company. And I said, Hey, this is what I want you to do. Um, I want you to go every morning for the next two weeks and buy a dozen donuts. I want you to find every property manager in the area. And I want you to deliver donuts, deliver a card, just say, Hey, we'd love to, you know, bid on any jobs that you might have. And man, it's something so silly and stupid and cheap. I mean, a dozen donuts, what, like 10 bucks maybe. Um, and it has yielded amazing results. And I mean, we, we haven't even gotten through the two weeks yet. I think we're only one weekend. Um, and so, I mean, that's, like to me, that's like a small little like thing. It's so silly. It doesn't even, it's not even that smart, but it's, you know, that one little tweak in your business could be the thing that like takes you to the next level. So, and it's stuff like that, that, um, it's like, it's so simple, but it kind of requires the like guts to go in and do those types of things. So like 90% of people, although they'll think of it, they'll be like, Oh, that's so simple. It would never work, you know? So they don't even try it. Um, and that's why it does work because people would be afraid to do something like that. Um, now I'm going to take that opportunity to tell a hilarious joke because the sales guy that he's talking about is, um, actually like my best friend from high school. And we, one time were, were in North Carolina on like a big family vacation together. And, uh, we had went through the drive through together of Krispy Kreme and we got all the hot, you know, regular glazed donuts and we got a dozen and me and Lindsay killed the dozen donuts. By the time we finished the drive through, hmm. no joke. We went back again a second time to get more. <laughs> And, uh, so, so just be careful where you send him to get donuts from. Okay. They may not be around by the time he gets to the prospect. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, we are in our market, we're getting a Krispy Kreme. And so I actually joked with my team today. We're taking them don't, uh, Dunkin' Donuts right now. 
but just wait until we start taking them Krispy Kreme. Um, they won't be able to uh, turn us down. So no, sir. Hot sign every morning. So, so talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, one of the topics I'm, I'm pretty, I, sh- I struggle with, and you help me a, a lot with, um, maybe if there's some younger people listening, you know, in your twenties, you just kind of grind and figuring it out, or even people in your thirties, um, getting going and growing and stuff like that. Talk about timetables to success because this is one of the biggest misconceptions and also pain points uh, that people go through when they're starting a company, whether they're investing in properties or they're, they're own a, a startup or whatever. We always wanted to happen so fast. You know, I, I want to be a millionaire tomorrow. Um, and I've wanted to be a millionaire tomorrow for probably four years now. Um, so, talk about that level that down and, and really make it real for people because I feel like that's one of the most crippling things that people mentally go through, especially in the social media world where everything appears instantaneous. Yeah. Um, a few thoughts. I mean, obviously I wouldn't believe anything I see on social media, first of all. So, um, (laughs) you know, I, if, if like that stuff doesn't really matter to me, but if it mattered to you and you really were like curious, I would tell someone to show me their bank account, you know, show me their assets. I mean, um, I've heard like personal stories of guys that are like taking photos next to cars. They don't own houses. They don't own or houses they rent or whatever. And so guys, that stuff is just silly. Um, I would ignore it. Um, but you know, Wealth creation, um, unless you actually come from money, um, it takes time and it takes discipline. And, you know, the whole the whole idea that you're going to somehow create something or start a business and in a year or two be a millionaire is just completely false. And um, it's just not reality. Can it happen? It absolutely can happen. Um, is it likely to happen? No. And so you know, one of the things I tell the guys that I mentor, I mentioned this to Logan is that, um, all frustration is comes from unmet expectations. Right. Yes. And so, um, I, I don't think that that's a, a license to have low or no expectations. I just think it means you need to have a realistic view of reality. Like what, what does real life look like? And, you know, um, maybe, uh, a good example would just be, you know, um, Logan inspired me, um, this month to lose some weight. Um, and, uh, so basically I added about 10 pounds when I got married and then I added another 10 when I had a son and we're talking about potentially having another child at some point. So that'd be like 30 pounds, you know, for doing the, the 10. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, uh, I started losing, you know, started losing weight. Well, what do we, what do I need to do to lose weight? Well, I need to make a bunch of really good decisions over a long period of time, right? I need to exercise. I need to eat healthy and I I can't just eat healthy once a day. I've got to eat healthy three times a day or four times a day. Um, I can't just exercise once a week. I've got to make that decision over and over and over again. And a bunch of small good decisions over time, will lead to the success that I have in losing weight. And so, and that's how I would, 
I, I think is the, a good way to think about money. If you want to be successful when it comes to money, you want to be quote unquote rich, whatever that looks like for you, that's a moving target, but uh, you have to make a lot of small decisions, good ones over a long period of time. That's the only way that you're going to be successful. Action, um, taking action over and over. Correct. And honestly, time is not your enemy. It is your friend. And so, um, time actually, if you're 23 right now, 24, Logan, you're 25, right? 26. Yeah. Just turned 26 in May. Just turned 26. Like you guys are exponentially ahead of where I'm at at 34 or a 40 year old or a 50 year old would be. And so, um, you, you shouldn't, you look at 26 and go, ah, oh, I don't have a million bucks or I don't have this. Like you should go, man, I, I have eight years until I'm 34. Dude, eight years is a long time. It did not. It, so one quote that I love is that you're, you're going to overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in 10. And this is absolutely true. Um, I have found it true in my life. Um, I look back, even for me personally this year, and I look back and go, man, I haven't done a lot in a year. It doesn't feel like I've done a lot. But if I look back at four or five or six years and I start to culminate the years, I go, man, like I really have accomplished a lot in six years. And so here's, I mean, here's bottom line, what I would say, have a broader perspective, just like see a bigger picture than a few months or a year. Um, because if you do, I think long-term, you're going to find yourself having more success. So, yeah. And if you can't seem to bring yourself to, that reality, then go get around someone that's someone that you want to be like and have them tell you their story. Right. And, and they, they may tell you, listen, I never made a million dollars. I was 40 years old. Right. And just think about those things. Um, but yeah, man, that's a, I was just on a conference call before this and, you know, someone asked me and they were like, you know, how do you stay motivated every day? And, you know, be excited to go do all these things. And, and the thing is, man, motivation is rented every day. And unfortunately you have to pay that rent every day. Um, it's, it's something, it's just like working out and going to the gym. It's a discipline to stay motivated. You know, I think that I'm the only one that doesn't want to get out of bed in the morning occasionally. And I'm not, the reality is everyone has problems and stresses regardless of where you are in your life. And you're going to have those days where you don't feel like doing anything. Um, you know, if anyone says every day, they're just so excited to do all these things. Like they're just lying to you. Um, cause it's not like that because your, your road is going to be paved with challenges and those challenges are going to irritate you. And if you wake up in the morning thinking about irritation, you're not going to want to get up. Yeah. So just think about the correlation. Um, so I think, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that comes back to the idea of having um, frustration being birthed from unmet expectations. And right. so, you know, some may say this is a really poor way to live. I disagree. Uh, I would argue that it's a much better way to live. Uh, I literally wake up expecting problems. Yeah. I just do. I just wake up expecting what challenges am I going to face today? And for me, it's not a pessimistic view of life. It's a view of reality, right? Like that's just how life is. It's like life just throws you challenges. And when I wake up expecting challenge, I don't get frustrated when I'm met with them. I go, oh, well, that's challenge number one for the day. 
oh, there's challenge number two. And I actually sort of, with that mentality for me, I like embrace the challenges because I already know they're coming. Um, And so I think when you wake up and you drink the Kool-Aid that somehow like it's going to be easy and that, um, you know, things are going to go perfectly, like that's when you get frustrated because like uh, when the challenges do come, then you're like, you're so confused and you don't know why this is happening. It only happens to me. And you just get into like this kind of like pity party for yourself. And um, it just literally comes from having bad expectations. And so um, I would say, try it, wake up tomorrow going like, I'm going to face a lot of challenges today and I don't know what they are, but they're going to hit me. And when they do, I'll be ready for them and just see what your day goes like. And then every once in a while, you might find yourself in a day with no challenges and then just be glad you didn't have any challenges, but yeah. wake up the next day expecting like, I will face challenges tomorrow. What will they look like? So, yeah, no, I think, I think that's huge. Actually. I like that mentality that your, your approach. Um, so a couple of other things too, guys, just remember to always take action. Don't, the longer you sit there and ponder a decision or, you know, think about that you're afraid of certain things, um, you're just wasting time. And the reality is life is way too short, um, to not wake up and live it how you want to live it. So if you're sitting there in a situation, I don't care what it is, a job, a boss, whatever, if you're not doing what you want, you need to start figuring out how you can do what you want. Um, take action on those things. I, I recently uh, inspired someone to do that, and it was it was one of the most rewarding things for me. Honestly, it, it felt better than than making a big check. Um, but you know, I, I got this tattoo recently, and I was sitting there, and I was getting tattooed by this guy for about three and a half hours. Guy's a great artist, super nice guy really great customer service skills. And he just worked for this really, really terrible shop owner. The guy was, um, an egotistical, almost borderline maniac dude. And he let his own ego get in front of generating revenue and conducting a a good business. And it affected everybody that he worked with. And so the guy was asking me all these questions about doing your own thing and working for yourself and blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, you got to take a couple things into effect. Number one, you don't understand the implications to yourself and your work that a negative and toxic environment is dripping on you every single day. You don't even understand that until you remove yourself and put yourself in another one. And number two, it's like, you just got to trust in your ability to go out there and do it. And so I broke it all down for him and, um, we got a post on Instagram this week. He switched shops and he's bringing all his new clients to the new place. He just told him. And of course the guy threw a fit, big fit, uh, got in a huge argument. And so he just packed up all of his stuff and left. And now that he experiences a better environment and took action, um, he feels amazing. And so that just made me feel so good because he texted me. He was like, listen, man, I really took what you said to heart. And I'm going to take action. And uh, that's all it was. He just took, I just opened my mouth and he, he did the rest. Yeah. So a lot of times that's the biggest component is just taking action on things that you feel or think. Yeah. I think um, just to kind of tag into that is <clears throat> like you and I, we have discussions about like happiness, you know, and yeah. what does it mean to be happy in business? I mean, cause we can all like hustle and work hard and make lots of money. Sure. And at the end of the day, be miserable. 
And uh, then what's the point, you know? Um, and so my argument is just simply this, like the more like self-centered that we are and the more that our business is about us, um, the more likely you're going to find yourself at the end of the day, miserable. And so like this guy who owns this shop, that's like an egomaniac. Um, this is what will happen. And so it, I would say that you and I are hardwired to care more about ourselves than about others. And so it takes like an active discipline to sort of wake up and decide that, you know what, today is not about me. It's about the people who I work with. It's about the people who work for me. Um, today is not about me. It's about my wife. Today is not about me. It's about my son. Today is not about me. It's about the guys running my business. And when I take this approach to life, here's what happens. Not only do those people like truly appreciate that, find value in that, get encouraged by that, it motivates them. And that motivation actually helps me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, is it not better to have a motivated guy running my business as opposed to an unmotivated one? Is right. it not better to have a wife who's excited that you support her and love her and put her first? Um, and so um, that's a great example of how I think people know when you are for yourself. They can sense when it's all about you and uh, it doesn't work. And so um, as you approach business, one piece of advice that I would just give you is approach it um, to where you put yourself second. And so, and I don't mean be walked on. So like when I'm doing deals, guys, like I'm going in to do deals, um, that work for me. Um, but I don't do deals that just work for me. Um, Logan could, can attest to this. Um, I want to do deals that work for everyone. And so if the deal doesn't work for me, I'm not like, this isn't a handout. I'm not going to just do it because I like you, right? Um, I will do a deal that works for me and it works for you. And if we can come to that conclusion, um, then we do it. And if we don't, we don't. But yeah, guys, others first, yourself second. Yeah, I mean, that's what we, uh, I teach and, and um, I teach a lot of people in, in this business. You, you have to come at it from the approach of a problem solver. You know, you have to solve someone's problem. And even if I meet with a seller in their home uh, to buy their property, you know, one of the things I always tell them is, listen, you know, I can't even think about flipping a house or getting in there and doing renovations or any of that stuff until I solve your problem and make you happy. The very first thing is you have to feel somewhat content with the deal that we're going to make. And I have to solve a problem for you because I can't even get to the next step until I do that first. Yeah. Um, so we look at it like that, but I'm going to kind of transition here because we've, we've talked about some awesome like concepts in business and also psychology of it. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what do you think? Um, cause I get everyone's opinion and I have mixed opinions and you probably do too. Cause everyone, you know, has an opinion. Um, what do you think of the market right now? Um, where do you think it's going? And then what are some opportunities that you think are going to be out there or, um, things that maybe you might be looking to take advantage of? And this specifically regarding the real estate market. Yeah, talk about, talk about the real estate market for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you, you have a couple of forces that are fighting each other. Um, and, the first force on the sort of pro real estate market side, um, I would say is demand. Uh, there is still a lot of demand for housing. There's a lot of pent up demand. Um, and in my opinion, the reason that we 
have seen a long real estate cycle, at least one of the main reasons is all of the demand. Um, so you sort of have that force. Uh, an opposing force that you have is uh, you have basically are at the, you know, in the 10th year of a very long cycle and you have uh, rising interest rates and you've got a, you know, a couple of things that I would be concerned about. Um, you have some political discourse and you have a pretty big election year coming up in 2020. And so um, there are definitely some things that I'm watching um, as we approach 2020. And, you know, guys, some of you are like are 2020, that's a long way away. Like, here's what I would just say is like, that's, that's why you need to have a big perspective. Like you need to have a bigger timeline than 90 days. Like you need to be looking at things from mm-hmm. a three, five, 10, 20 year level. And so right. um, <clears throat> my predictions are this. Um, I think that interest rates are going to continue to rise, which means treasuries will continue to rise, which means interest rates on mortgage will continue to rise. And so um, fundamentally, uh, most of you probably understand, but in case you don't, um, when interest rates on mortgages rise, you know, the average buying power goes down. Um, and so if you're getting a loan at 4%, you might can afford a $250,000 home. Um, but as soon as that interest rate goes to five or six, your buying power might go down to 225 or 200. And when that buying power goes down, that puts downward pressure on home prices. And so um, what I, I see in the next couple of years is certainly some leveling, which I already think we're seeing, and um, maybe even some, some downward uh, pressure on prices. And um, I think it would be a natural move. Uh, I think it would be good for the markets. In no way do I think uh, anyone should be concerned or alarmed that we might see a 2008 again. Um, but uh, I do see it. And I think there's a lot of things that point to that direction. So... Yeah, it's crazy. One of my buddies here um, was a finance finance major, and he's in finance, and he's got some analyst friends that I think he went to school with that are you know uh, analysts for Goldman Sachs, um, big financial firms, and they run projections every quarter of what they think the state of the market is. Um, and he was telling me they are thinking uh, they don't even see some sort of correction or pullback until like they're projecting 2022. Um, but at the same token, those are the same people that lost all their chingle in 2008 and ran out of cash, like a water source in a third world country. So um you know, it was, I don't know what to think about that stuff. You know, the infrastructure is not there to have a 2008 like it was before. However, the back end secondary market of reselling the notes is dang, dang near exactly the same. Um, they're trading notes just as fast as they can write them. The only difference is the underwriting is a lot more scrupulous than it was in the first place. So there's no way that second, secondary market and uh, MBS markets doing exactly the same thing and creating tranches, um, that has to have some sort of effect, I think. Um, but with all that being said, I think it's still stable for the next year and a half, two years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think... You know, I would keep an eye on oil prices. I would keep an eye on... Um, I would keep an eye on the stock market, you know, um, I would keep an eye. What's that? Income growth. 
Yeah, income income growth is is big. You know, a lot of the demand that I'm talking about is actually in um, lower income housing, and so part of the problem that we have as a country is uh, we have a lot of people who cannot afford to basically live at all. Um, they can't afford rent. They can't afford a house, and so this is absolutely an issue. And there is a ton of demand there, um, and I think the demand for that will help actually um, pull some of the pricing down. Um, as well. And so, um, you know, we'll just have to see, I know for me, um, I don't want to own, I want to be in a lot of cash come like mid, you know, 2020, um, late, even late 2019. Um, I, I just wouldn't want to own a lot of assets. And so, um, but you know, what I've been telling everyone is this guys, um, if the right deal comes, I am not saying no, I don't care what the market conditions are, you know? And so, um, I, I, I haven't bought a piece of real estate and I think over four months, but if a good deal came tomorrow or if it came in the middle of 2019, I'm not saying no. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that I'm disciplined and, and saying yes to the right deal. Yeah. In fairness, you had a couple deals that just didn't work out. Correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had some under contract and, um, you know, for whatever, you know, reasons couldn't get to terms on a couple of them. And so, um, but yeah, um, I'm being super cautious in my buying. Um, but I'm in no rush, you know, um, I, I'm just not in a hurry. So I'll wait until the deals come. And then, you know, if we do get a dip, I'm in a great position where I can load up on, you know, a bunch of real estate. So. Yeah, me and me and Brit are in the middle of um, liquidating an, an asset that we own together, um, you know, and that's all fine and dandy. We will have a nice chunk of profit that we've made from that deal, but you know, then we we have to figure out where to go and reposition that cash so that it's earning um, returns. And I hate to say it because um, I'm a pretty big proponent in in real estate, but I almost lean more towards investing in businesses. You know, I feel like where I am in my 20s, I'm going to have a better opportunity bringing in more cash uh, on a more frequent basis with a company than I would uh, a piece of real estate. At least, you know, the real estate's obviously a little bit more secured, but it's also earning at a much slower rate. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I have thoughts like that, too. Yeah, this could lead into a whole other discussion, but... um, (laughs) You know, it just depends on your, a lot of things. It depends on your risk appetite. You know, for some people, guys, uh, you might just want cash flow. And quite frankly, it doesn't even matter what the underlying asset's worth. I mean, I, this is sort of a Robert Kiyosaki idea that, like, he doesn't care if he pays 200 grand or $5 million for a property as long as it cash flows properly. And so, if that's your mentality, then I'd say, guys, there's no reason to stop buying. You know, if the, if you can buy cash flowing property and that's what you want, um, the market may go down, but it's going to come back up. It might take five years, it might take ten years, but it will happen. And so, um, for me, I buy for two reasons: I buy for cash flow, but I also buy for appreciation. And a lot of the wealth that I've been able to generate happened not through cash flow, but through appreciation. And so when I'm looking into markets, I'm looking at ones that not only will cash flow, but also appreciate. And I'm not seeing markets that I truly think have a ton of upside and appreciation because I think all the appreciation has happened. And so when we see the dip, 
Um, and it will come. I could be wrong about 2020. It could be 2022 or 2025, but it will happen. And when it does, um, I'm going to be looking for markets that I believe will go up in value that will cash flow along the way. And um, for me, that's been the most stable uh, way to increase my wealth. And that's the way I can plan on continuing to do it. So. Awesome. Well, I mean, this has been um, one heck of a learning experience. And I think we talked about some good uh, business concepts here and definitely investment concepts as well. Can you think of anything else you want to throw out there? Um, yeah, guys, like um, there's nothing wrong with not making moves. This is basically uh, something I'm telling myself right now. And so um, about 12 months ago, I knew that my strategy going into 2018 uh, would be to start to liquidate a lot of my portfolio. And there's a portion of me um, that it doesn't like it. <laughs> like um, there's a portion of me that's losing cash flow. Um, I am gaining equity, but I'm losing cash flow. And so, but I've got to have a bigger picture approach and um, being in the middle of it can kind of suck. And so I would just say this, like if you're in a position right now where you're looking around and you're going, I don't see a lot of deals. I'm not seeing opportunity. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the worst thing that you can do, in my opinion, is change your criteria. Um, and so uh, all you're doing when you're changing your criteria is opening yourself up to undue risk and possibly putting yourself in a position that you're not comfortable with. And so um, for me, I am like telling myself over and over again, look, I I'm going to wait for the deal. And if I got to wait five years, I'll wait five years. Um, and I, I I have a low risk tolerance. And so like, I'm not interested in speculating in this market. It's just not worth it. I've worked too hard for uh, where I've gotten and I'm not interested in giving it back because I'm greedy or I'm bored or I'm chasing a deal. And so that's what I would say, guys, uh, be patient. Um, I wouldn't stop sowing seeds wherever you can. Um, I would not stop looking for opportunity, digging for it. Um, but I wouldn't uh, jump at, you know, something mediocre, you know, stay disciplined. I agree. And this is why I always talk to you about strategy and different moves that I may make in business and investing and stuff like that. Um, I feel like you have such a great perspective and level head, you know, it's not, it, you're not so far gone to where it's almost unrealistic to talk to you because you know, you're worth $50 million and your problems are not my problems. You know what I mean? Um, so I really love that. And guys, I want to just in, thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many of you I've spoke to or, or messaged um, that you just really love our podcast because uh, we're real and we're relatable. And that's honestly one of the main reasons why we started this is because we just wanted to show you that you can be relatable and not just this figurine and you can really make stuff happen in your life to create whatever you want. So please don't forget to follow us on Instagram. I'm at Mogul in the Making and Britt is at Foshi Flips. Um, yeah, we love to hear from you guys. So feel free to DM us, reach out to us. Uh, guys, we also love to partner on deals. And so um, if you have opportunity and you don't know where to start, um, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to help you out. Yeah, absolutely. If you, 
If you get a deal or an opportunity or a business or anything, um, we hope you would think of us, um, even if it's, you know, equity or lending, um, anything like that, we're, we're open to doing opportunities. So connect with us, continue to listen, and we will be at you next week with some more amazing content. See you next week, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Real Deal Show. Be sure to join us next week as we dive into more tips, tricks, and secrets to doing real deals. If you haven't already, please subscribe and review our channel on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may listen. That's all for today. We'll see you next week.